Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. That's in the world. So what did she do? What did they do as a husband and wife? They shifted gears. Can somebody say amen? Somebody say, I'm shifting gears today. They began to shift gears to realign themselves so that they could see God do some things in their life. Now, here's a question that I have for you. How many of us have ever uh, uh, had life events that just seemed to put brakes on in our lives? Anybody wave at me. If you've had life events that are just like, it just kind of like brought things to a screeching halt. Yeah. How many of us have ever had things that happened where we just felt like we were stuck, we felt like we were numb, we just felt like we didn't have any giddy-up in our, in our step? Anybody ever feel like that before? Come on, I'm telling you. Uh, this whole time uh, of quarantine and being stuck at home, I mean, you can lose your giddy-up real quick, can't you? You know, and sometimes, you know, thankfully, we got a new couch not too long ago, but, man, my old couch, man, it had my imprint in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it just got used to me. It saw me coming. It this was ready for me to come, right? So, again, we, we can get stuck. We can lose our giddy-up and go. Now, let me ask you this. How many of you have driven a stick shift? It, it's manual transmission. Wave at me if you... You know, stick shift is the thing on the floor. Okay. Some of you may not be old enough. You think, what's a stick shift? What's what's a manual transmission? Uh, Back in the day, in fact, I remember they used to have knobs on the dash where you had to push the buttons to shift gears, right? So again, uh, if you've ever driven a stick shift or a manual transmission, you'll you'll recall that there are some things that you have to do when it comes to driving a stick shift. So for those of you that are familiar or aware of what it is to drive a stick shift, let's just say you're cruising down the road, and as you're cruising down the road, something comes out. A car pulls out in front of you, or a deer, or whatever it might be. There's an obstacle that comes out right in front of you, and you're driving a stick shift. What do you do instinctively? You put the clutch in, right? And you start to apply the brake. What do you do when you put the clutch in? You actually disengage or take out of gear the motor. And therefore, when you put in the clutch, even though you might be moving down the road, you're actually no longer propelling down the road, you're coasting down the road. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why are you coasting? Because you put the clutch in and you disengage the gears and then you're just moving by the natural momentum of the car. Well, let me ask you this. How many of us, I'm talking about you personally, you take inventory. We've all experienced those things where we've had to put the brakes on. But if we examine our life, and maybe especially in this season that we're living in, how many of us have put the clutch in on life? Where we've just had some things that come up in life obstacles, situations, issues, and we've engaged the clutch, and we still have some movement, 
But what we've done is we've disengaged or we've gotten out of gear and all we're doing is coasting in life. Maybe you find yourself coasting in your marriage. Maybe you're coasting with your family. Maybe you're coasting at your workplace. Maybe you're coasting with the goals and just the, the, the ambition that you had. You're just coasting. Or maybe when it comes to your relationship with God, you're just coasting. You're just going through the motions. There's just a little bit of forward motion, but we really don't have things in gear. If you know that you've lost the momentum, if you've lost that forward motion, you can't just pick up where you left off. You can't just shift it back in gear where you were. Let me give you another example of that or to make it clearer. If you're going at full speed and you're in fourth gear and some obstacle comes and presents itself before you and you push the clutch in, you disengage the gear, you start to slow down your momentum. The moment you take your foot off the clutch and start to put the gas pedal down again, if you've lost too much momentum, what happens if you're still in fourth gear? Right? You start chugging. Why? Because you're in a gear that the momentum of the motor can't handle anymore. So what do you do as you've lost momentum? You've got to shift gears or you've got to downshift. Does that make sense? Why, does it, why do you have to downshift? Because it has to catch up or be able to engage with the gears to get you back up to speed. And that's what God is doing in this hour he is wanting us to shift gears so that we can get to where we need to be so many people in these last several years I'll say the last decade in fact we started this church about 10 years ago Genesee Valley Church and we've seen inclines and we've seen declines and I have never seen a decline like we have seen in the last few years in momentum. And I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about the church across the board. What's happening? The body of Christ is allowing themselves to become so busy, so preoccupied. They're moving so fast in life and having so many commitments in their life that if they wanted to change directions or shift gears, they couldn't because they've already committed to too many things. Do you know what I mean? For instance, again, if you're thinking about driving a vehicle as we've been using that as an analogy, you know, if you're going down a hill... And in some of the southern states, like if you're down in Tennessee, you can go on some of those big hills, and there are some that are a very steep decline. Well, you can take your foot off the gas, you can take it out of gear, but because of the momentum and the, already the commitment of going down the hill, you can actually gain momentum, and you've taken your feet off the pedals. And that's what's happened to the body of Christ. We have been so busy, so preoccupied, so committed to things that even if we want to jump off the merry-go-round, it's going too fast. And God's saying, it's time to take it out of gear. It's time to put in the clutch so that you can slow down. And isn't it interesting that in the time in which we're living, 
we see some things that God is doing in this hour. God is moving in this hour. He's moving upon the church. And if you think about it, just this time in which we're living, it has caused the current situation, the current uh, culture and climate has caused the entire world to take pause. Now, you know that God is not in what is happening. But you know that the Bible says that God works all things to the good to those that love Him. So that means in the midst of what is going on, God is going to move within His church. And what has happened in this time in which we're living, there has been a mandate around the world. It is time to pause. It is time to slow down. It is time to hunker down because of what you're facing. But God says it's come at a great opportunity because now all the commitments that you had, they've been shut down. You don't have any excuses anymore. You can't blame this one or that one. You can't even blame God because it's been something else. But God says, hey, I'll use it. And if we'll acknowledge it, we'll see that God is helping us shift gears and getting into a position for God to move in this hour. Do you remember the Tower of Babel? The Bible speaks of the people. And it says they were building a city that raised up into the heavens. And they said, let's build a tower. Let's build a city so that we can make a name for ourselves. So in other words, their whole lifestyle and the collective group of people were saying, let's make it all about us. Let's make it all about me. And hasn't that where people have been? And again, I guess I'm speaking directly to us, the church. We've been in a place where we have lived lives and made it all about us and have gotten so busy that we're trying to squeeze God in here and there. But nevertheless, God is saying, it's time to put the clutch in so that we can downshift. And therefore, if God can use that Tower of Babel experience and God used it to bring about confusion and get God's people back on path, how many of you know that there's a time of great confusion in the land right now? But God is using it. God is using it to bring His people back to a place of seeking His face. God's desiring that we come into His presence. And God is moving in this hour. And as I said last week, God is moving in the assembly of His people. People say, well, I can be out in the woods and I can, I can have church out in the woods. No, you can have an encounter with God in the woods. You can worship and pray and talk to God in the woods, but you can't have church in the woods because the church is the gathering of God's people. And that's where the move of God is. In fact, let me just say it this way. For those that think that they can have a relationship with God without the local church, in my experience, those are the spooky, kooky, and weird people. They're the flakes in the Kellogg's box. Some of them are a little frosted. You know what I mean? <laughs> My point is, is that you need the local church. Can somebody say amen? amen? Look at what it says here in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27. It says, that he might present himself. Now, he's talking about the hour in which he's getting ready to come and get his church. How many of you can sense that? That's the hour in which we're living in. 
Jesus is coming very soon. Amen. And he says this. He says that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Did you hear? He said, I'm coming back for a glorious church. Now, people will say, well, yes, we're all the church. Yes, that's true. We are the body of Christ. But when you look into the Hebrew language, the word is defined as ecclesia. It means the assembling. It means the gathering of people in a public place. Does that mean that you have to be in church when Jesus comes? No. My point is, is that God's looking for a people in the last hours with those people that are assembling together and growing together, maturing together, and actually becoming and being the church. Amen. Remember I said last week that the church is not the end-all, be-all to your relationship with God, but it is the catalyst of your relationship. And so listen, again, I asked my daughter last week, I said, what would you get out of the last week's service? And she says, well, if you don't go to church, you can't know God. I'm like, is that, what it, is that how it came across? I'm like, well, I hope everybody didn't hear it that way. What I'll say it again, that in regards to your relationship with God, if you can't commit to an hour and a half on Sunday, then how do we really realistically believe that we are having a genuine, intimate relationship with God on a regular or a daily basis? If I can't commit to the Sabbath, which he said is holy, aren't we really just fooling ourselves to think that, man, we are, we're tight with God? No. But he's coming back. For a church that is assembling together. Come on, I want to be in the assembly of God's people because it is the safest place to be in this hour. Praise God because he's moving in this hour in the assembly of his people. Praise God. All right. Now notice what he says here. He says, now I'm coming back for a church that doesn't have spot or wrinkle. Now does that mean he's looking for a perfect church? No. No. There is no perfect church. But you could say it this way. He's looking for a church that's in fourth gear. Did you hear what I said? I said he's looking for a church that's actually in fourth gear, moving forward, accelerating with the things and the plans and the purposes of God. I'm looking for those people. Amen. Because it's those people that are going to engage the heart of God. And I don't know about you, but man, I have found myself hungry for God more in this time than I ever have before. Now let me ask you this. If he's looking for a church that's in fourth gear, but if we're not there right now, then that means that we would be spitting and sputtering at this particular time, right? And isn't that kind of the, the, the misconception that we have? It's like, well, I know I'm not there right now, but let's be there right now. And we delusion ourselves, and so therefore we try to get in fourth gear, but all we're doing is spitting and sputtering, spitting and sputtering, because we've not developed the momentum or the spiritual momentum, if you will, to be in fourth gear. But if God is looking for those kind of people, don't you think he knows where we're at at the time that we're at? So that means that God's going to help us shift gears. 
He's going to help us get to that place. How many of you want God to help you get where you need to be? Amen. I want God to help me to get where I need to be as quickly as I can get there. So that means if in this season I need to downshift, baby, I'm going to downshift so that I can get some momentum because I'm going from second to third to fourth gear. Come on. I want all that God has for me in this hour. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, he says that he is going to pour out his spirit in the last days upon all flesh. So again, that means all. That doesn't mean just the Christian people. It doesn't mean just the people in the church. It doesn't mean just those that have confessed Jesus. It even means those that aren't saved, that have not received Christ. So that means that God can help those that even aren't in gear to get in gear and those that are in gear to get into the next gear. Why? Because he's pouring out his spirit in this hour in this time. Because there's a move of God in this hour. Amen? He's pouring out his spirit, or we could say it this way. The glory of God is coming back to the church. Somebody say glory. glory. The glory of God is coming back to the church. What does that mean? One definition of the glory means the weightiness or the heaviness of God. That means his presence is coming back to the assembly. How many of you know that there's been a lot of churches in recent days that have done a church service but left God out of it altogether have we been guilty of that at times I'm sure we have but God's saying I want to find a church that's in fourth gear and I'm going to help you get there amen now let me help you for just a moment because one of the things that we find ourselves when we talk about this move of God we say what does that mean? What does it look like? How do I engage with it? Well, let me just help you in the fact that God is going to help you get where you need to be if you have a heart to, to get there. If you have a desire to experience God's presence, His glory, His goodness, He's not going to leave you out. I remember when I was just a, a, a young boy, uh, I had a tumor on my neck. I, I think I was probably eight or under I probably was under the the age of eight and we went to a service because I had a tumor on my neck that they had to have that I had to have surgery on and my mom had begun to find out that God is a healing God and so she was invited to a special service it was like a revival service a guest minister came in and uh, he started ministering that particular night when we went there and I don't know if we got there late or what but I think we were like right up on the front row and I remember thinking at my, to myself, man, this kind of feels awkward being on the front row. But now, now that I'm, I'm like, man, I want to be on the front row. The front row is the place to be. So again, the front rows are always available. Amen. But we're sitting there, and he's telling this story. Do you remember that the Bible talks about Paul's aprons, how the anointing was in his aprons, and they took the aprons to the sick people, and they were healed? Well, he started to tell the story, story about socks. And it had something to do with the anointing being in these socks. And he had these pairs of socks balled up. And he's throwing it in the air. And he's talking about the anointing. And then he throws the socks to me. And then after the service progressed, he said, does anybody need healing in their body? And my mom said, well, my son does. She brought us up. And it was kind of a platform similar to this. And so I stood up there. He says to my mom, come stand behind him. And I'm going to stand behind you. And so he began to pray. As he began to pray, the power of God fell, and so did my mom. <laughs> Hit the ground. 
We don't have time to talk about that. But again, the power of God just... Maybe she, was, maybe she was just in the way. He had to lay her out for a minute. I don't know. <laughs> Mom hit the deck. And then he said, is there a doctor or anybody medical in the medical field that's here tonight? And this woman raised her hand. He says, come up here and feel, feel, feel this young boy's neck. And so she felt my neck. And he says, do you feel any tumor anymore? And she says, I don't feel nothing. In that moment, the glory of God showed up, the presence of God showed up, and I was miraculously healed as a young boy and never had to have surgery again. Amen. Well, my God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So as a young boy, I began to experience the presence and the glory of God. Now, we got a little bit older, and we were in a church uh, over in Clio. And the pastor just loved uh, the kids. And so he says to the kids, he says, kids, he said, I want you to come and line up across the front here. And so I'm thinking, okay. And so he says, now, I want you to start praising God. And so as a little kid, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Okay, can we be done now? And he says, now, he says, raise your hands. And I'm thinking, I've never raised my hands before. I was like, dear God, just the adults raise their hands. Us kids don't do that. That's for the big people. He says, no, lift your hands. So just out of an act of obedience, I'm like, okay, praise the Lord. And I started to praise God. He says, lift your voice. And I began to lift my voice as a little boy. And all of a sudden, the presence of God fell on me, and I began to weep. I just began to bawl like a baby, and I'm like, what is this? And it wasn't, it was such an awesome feeling, and I'm like, what is this? And I go back to my mom, and she's in the seat, and I'm like, why am I crying? I'm like, ah. And she's like, that's just God loving on you. And it was the most wonderful feeling. And so as a young boy, I began to experience God's presence, God's desire to move in my life. Now, I'm like most of you all that kind of had a life where, you know, I was serving God and I derailed and started just living like a heathen for a while. And so as I started living like a heathen, you know, the youth group of our church uh, went to a concert. And I don't know if anybody remembers who Mylon Lefevre is, but he was a long-haired hippie, hard rock, metal rocker, but he was a, a Christian rocker. And so, man, we're at the concert, man, just, just hooping it up. Woo, praise the Lord. You know, just acting like teenage kids. And they're rocking it out. I mean, their hair slinging in the air. And all of a sudden, it switched gears. And then they started to worship God. And I'm telling you what, the presence of God fell in that place. It was so thick that in that moment, my heart was compelled to turn towards God. I'm like, God, forgive me. And I just began to repent and weep in the presence of God. You see, God knows exactly where you're at. He knows it, it, your address. And you might think you've walked too far from God or you don't qualify. God knows how to get to where you're at. And to love on you in such a way that you can't deny the, the reality of who God is. And as I continued to get older, I got into my early 20s. And I started to get my life turned around. And I said, God, I said, I just want to know you. And so I was still living at home. And I said, God, I'm going to lock myself up in the room. And I'm not leaving my room until I have an encounter with you. Now, why am I sharing these stories with you? Because unless you hear that the reality of God's glory is real and that it's accessible, you'll only hear about it and think that it's not obtainable. But no, God wants you to experience His glory because His glory is coming to the church in this hour. 
And so I was in my room and I locked myself up and I said, God, I'm not leaving here until I have an encounter with you. And I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. So I got, I'm in my room, got my door closed, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And so I heard these words inside and I'm thinking, well, I don't know if that's just me or if that's God. And then, then I started to just kind of entertain the idea of these words that were kind of bubbling around on the inside. And as I started to entertain these words, all of a sudden I felt the presence of God fall on me. And I'm like, well, if I experienced that, I mean, it just was like the weightiness of God. Remember I said that the glory is the weightiness or the heaviness of God? I'm sitting there in my seat, and I start to feel like the presence of God come on me. And I'm like, well, if I start to feel that way just by thinking about what God's talking to me about, what if I just opened up my mouth and started saying what I think I'm hearing God saying? And so I opened up my mouth, and I began to say what I heard inside my spirit. And the moment I opened up my mouth, the glory of God filled my room. And you talk about the weightiness of God. Now, again, when you think about the presence of God coming on you, it's the most wonderful thing that you can ever experience. I mean, it is such, oh, man, I can't even begin to describe it. But I was sitting there in my seat, and, and have you ever seen those astronaut uh, uh, movies where, you know, they're going through the... the, the, the preliminaries before they go into space and there's in, they're in that chair that spins them around and their face is like peeled back because of all the G-forces. You know what I'm talking about? That's how I felt. I'm sitting there like, oh, because of the glory of God, the weightiness of God that was sitting on me. I'm like, whoa, God. And I'm telling you, God is so real. And he's just waiting for you to say, God, I want to experience your presence. I remember when I was a young man, you doing okay? Is it okay if I share some of these stories with you? I remember when I was a young man, there was this guy that came on TV. His name was Benny Hinn. Some of you like him, don't like him. I don't care one way or another. I'm not asking for your approval. I'm just saying back then in the early 90s, he was on TV. And I would watch the crusades on the TV and people being healed and I remember sitting there, and as I'm watching that, the glory of God would begin to fill the place where I was at. Just because I was watching what God was doing in a service that was pre-recorded. But I was so hungry for God. My God, I just want more of you. And he would just come and visit me. He would just show up. He'd just sit on me. Why? Because I invited him to come. And he wants you to experience that goodness. Amen? Now, I've talked about the presence of God, but you realize that God showing up in your life is across the board. It's not just his presence. It's not just his love. It's not just the church. But he'll show up in all kinds of ways. And I remember that when I was hungry for God. Now, again, this is the way God works sometimes. Because I was starting to become real hungry for God. And in that moment when I was starting to crave and desire God and seek God's face, I got hired into General Motors. And I remember thinking, I'm a man. I've got a good job now. <laughs> I can take care of a family. I can have kids now. I can get married because I got a good job, you know, working for GM. But then after getting hired into GM for a week, I drove into work and I said, God, I don't want to do this for 30 years. And God says, are you going to do what I've called you to do? And in that moment, I had a decision to make. You see, in the natural, it seemed like I was giving up everything because I had gotten a good job. 
But I said, God, I want to follow you because I want to know you. And therefore, I applied to go to Bible college, and I went to Bible college. And supernaturally, God protected my job. Again, there's a, such an amazing story in that I don't have time to tell you. But I continued to work for GM for about, tw uh, about 10 years, all the while I got to go to Bible college. But you know, when I was in Bible college, one of the things that I, that I just got to learn was how to practice the presence of God. I said, I just got to practice the presence of God. Do you remember in the book of Acts where it says that there was like tongues of fire that came on them? You think, fire, fire is hot, right? I remember I was in one service. It was at school, rather. And I was just sitting there minding my own business. We were praying to close out the service. And God just fell on me. And all of a sudden, it felt like I was on fire. Now, when I say on fire, I'm not talking about pain from heat. It was like this spiritual fire. And I'm like, whoa, what is this? And anytime God shows up and touches your life, I'm telling you, it changes you. And you have such an insatiable hunger for more of God because God reveals himself. Do you remember Moses said to God, he says, God, I want to see your face. He says, you can't handle seeing my face. He said, but I'll let you see my backside. And he let him see him on the backside when he was walking away. And just seeing the backside of God, he said, when he went back down to the people, his face glowed. Remember that? Come on, when you have an encounter with God, it changes you for the better. And that's what God is looking to do. He's wanting to visit us in this hour. As I said, I began to learn how to practice the presence of God. While I was in Bible college, we got to go to the Philippines. And as I was in a Bible uh, college, teaching in a Bible college, out in the middle of the jungle. And we had about 30 students in this class that I was teaching. I was just talking about the realities of God. Talking about God wanting to visit you, just like I'm talking to you right now. And as I'm starting to minister... One by one, every student got out of their desk and knelt down and just began to weep and worship God. I didn't ask them to do it. I wasn't trying to twist their arm or in, encourage it. In the midst of God showing up, they just got down on their knees and began to worship God because God's presence showed up. Oftentimes we hear about those stories in the other countries, but God is real in the United States. God is real in GVC. Just a couple more and then I'll wrap it up. When I got out of Bible college, we went to a church or went back to the church that I was raised in. They asked if we would fill in for a while and I became the associate there. And the pastor, he said to me, he says, here's what I would like you to do. He said, I'd like you to hold meetings once a month just to teach people this side of the Holy Spirit and so I proceeded to tell them the story in fact there was a particular story of Brother Hagen when there was a, the, a meeting that they were having uh, a friend of ours his name is Jim Hockaday he was on the platform he was one of the singers he said he was on the platform standing behind uh, a Reverend Hagen and he said one of the girls came by and he's like my gosh he said she sure has got a lot of perfume on and he says, as he's, he's standing there, he's like, dear God, man, what you do, take a bath in it today? He's like, whoa. 
And he said, it was the most wonderful smell. He said, but my, it was so intense. And he says, and the longer we stood there, he said, the more intense the smell, the fragrance became. And he said, all of a sudden, Brother Hagin turned around and he says, do you smell that? And he's like, yeah, he smells it too. He's like, how much perfume did she put on? And Brother Hagin turned around and says, what you're smelling is the fragrance of God. You realize the Bible says that he's the rose of Sharon. And I have had those encounters myself where I've been praying and spending time with God where you smell this fragrance. And so in this church that we were at, I began to share these stories, what I was sharing with you. And I said, there's times where you'll be in the presence of God and you might even smell the fragrance of God. And as I'm talking about this, there was an old man two, two rows back, or yeah, two rows back. He starts to weep in his seat. And I stop and I say, what's going on right now? He says, the moment you started talking about the fragrance of God, he said, I can't help but smell the fragrance of God. And God just showed up. And as I've been talking about the real reality of God, you might have even begun to sense the presence of God on you in this place. And I'm telling you, the hour in which we're living, the glory is coming back to the church. Amen. One last one. I remember there was this woman. Her name was Linda. A little short thing. A little spunky woman. And her husband was tall and a biker. I mean, looked rough. But he was just a gentle teddy bear. He was always kind of skeptical, but he always came to church. But she was hungry. And so one particular time I was ministering on this one given Sunday at that church. And as I'm ministering, the Lord said to me, he says, go pray for Linda. And Linda's in the back row. Now, she's standing up. I think we're all standing up for whatever reason. I went back and I prayed for Linda. And when I prayed for Linda, the power of God came on her. The glory of God showed up. She fell backwards. Now, mind you, rather than chairs, pews. But when she fell back, she was stiff as a board. Her head was on the back of the pew. Her back or her hips were on the, the chairs. And she stood that way for about 10 minutes. Now, listen. It's not naturally possible to be stiff. What happened? The glory of God got on her. She had an encounter with God. When she came to herself, she's like, Oh my gosh. I just so love Jesus. They say, those are weird I'd be afraid if God did that. Listen, God's not going to do anything that frightens you. But what I am telling you is that God is showing up in this hour. And if you'll simply cry out to him and say, God, I want to know you. Show me your glory. God will reveal himself. Why? Because God is moving in the assembly in this hour. And now is the time that the clutch is put in. It is now the time that life has come to a pause. And God is saying, will you just let me come visit you? Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed. The glory is coming to the church. There's a move of God that is in the assembly of His people. These are days that God is preparing us, getting us ready. 
Once again, please hear me. God is not in the business of frightening you. So if anything that I've shared with you, you said, oh dear God, I would never want that to happen. Let me tell you, when God loves on you, it is the most wonderful, loving experience. And once you experience it, you want more. You just want more of God. Our experience with God is not in the tangible moments, but there are those times that God reveals Himself. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good and His mercy endures. To taste means to sample. He wants you to sample and experience Him. Would you just raise your hands in this moment? Let me pray over you before we leave. Father, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Father, I ask that you would fall on this place, on these people, in such a miraculous way. Oh, that the reality of who you are would become so tangible in our lives. Oh, God, we do contend for the glory of God, and we ask that you would fall on this place. I thank you that there is such a hunger in the heart of every single person. Whether we realize it or not, it's in there. And so, God, I pray right now that you begin to stir that hunger in this hour, in this time. And God, it's not for us to be selfish with. It's not a bless me club. God, you want to pour out your spirit so that God becomes so real to us that you become real to those that we know. So I thank you for the great outpouring of this hour in the assembly of your church. And sir, we welcome you to fall in this place and have your way. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life